Blog Talk Radio. September 27, 2020, on a Sunday night. And thank you for tuning in to Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Stephen Burks, 89.9, KRB-FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio. Thank you, Stephen Burke. And Stephen Burke is live with us tonight as well. And Marty Oakley, TS Radio Network. Uh, Marty Oakley, wow. You're, you're just really... You're banging the doors down, banging the doors down. Look at all these shows um, that are coming out, all these blogs, um, articles, fantastic articles that that get you thinking, that really get you thinking um, from so many different um, views, which I can appreciate uh, everything that uh, Marty brings to the table with um, the hosts that are fortunate enough to be on her show and as well as... um, as the authors um, that she posts up on her on her page, ppjg.me, ppjg.me. You will want to follow that so you can uh, you can decide what you uh, are interested in getting alerts on or not. Don't forget, you can make comments. You can make comments uh, if you're if you're on by the link by the live stream. You can make comments below uh, if you wish. As well, uh, please feel free to comment on uh, Tina Gertz's and my page as Oklahomans Incarcerated True Stories and How They Got There, as well as my page over at Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed. Uh, uh, Also, message, message, message. Uh, If there are things that you want to bring to the table uh, that you want to ask or that you want to comment about, we will open up the phone lines a little bit in a little bit into the show, but we want to kind of like get going first. It's one heck of a show tonight with Leslie, Leslie Wiggins, the husband of Daryl Wiggins, um, who is uh, a a man that has been incarcerated for uh, most of his life. He's grown up in, in, uh, in prison. And uh, there's uh, what his uh, story brings to us is, uh, the continuity of malfeasance throughout the injustice system in Oklahoma from the the charges, the trial, um, the actual sentencing, and the abuse inside the prison, the issues with the parole and pardon bo- uh, board, and medical mistreatment, and, uh, or, yeah, mistreatment if there's a lack of it. Uh, and, so on and so forth. It touches upon uh, just about every phase of um, of malfeasance, where it happens, when it happens, and how it happens. Not with every person, but in Oklahoma and the injustice system. Uh, as well, we have James Larrick, who is back on with us tonight. 
part two, looking forward to talking more with James Larrick and very interested in him, you know, also just carrying on dialogue throughout this whole show with us um, because he can certainly intervene and add some fantastic uh, opinions, thought processes, and not to mention we'll continue hearing his story, James Larrick. And if you didn't hear that story last week, we'll give you a, a little a quick bit of an update. Uh, when we uh, turn turn the turn the hour over to him, more or less, and before we uh, continue, uh, but also um, we'll, we're about ready to tell you a little bit more about uh, Leslie Wiggins and her amazing husband, her absolute amazing husband, and on with us is Tina Gertz. Tina Gertz from. Uh, Oklahomans Incarcerated, True Stories, and how they got there. Tina, how you doing there tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Thank you for taking the time. Really do appreciate you taking the time. I know that you've been busy uh, at a rally and, and with everything else that, that you do um, to move this cause along. And as most of, uh, as many of us know, you know, Tina and I have announced uh, that we're putting together, you know, we're in the process of this nonprofit. Super excited about that, and um, so we are just, you know, overflowing with information uh, because we've been actually doing this for years, but now we're doing it together. So very happy to uh, to be doing this um, and have you on uh, tonight with us, Tina. How did the, how did that rally go? By the way, it went well. Um, okay. You know, the guys were waving their orange shirts through the window, um, putting up signs. Can you let our listeners know where that was? Oh, it was at Jackie Brandon Correctional Center. Um, That's in Oklahoma. Yes, in McAllister. Um, (laughs) DOC had extra staff that day. Um, they did tell the men not to say anything, but they did in their own way. Um, and we could hear some of them yelling, thanking us for being there. Um, we've had people report that they're, well, the one in one particular case, their son knew we were there and said that they really appreciated it and, you know, it really, I felt, got their hopes up, uh, yeah. the morale up, even yeah. if it's just for a little bit, and let them know that we were fighting for them. So it was it was really good. And so what is it that you're fighting for them for? Let's talk, let's talk about that. A lot of our listeners already know this, but what are you standing for and against? Well, we're against. DOC abusing their power and violating the rights of the inmates. And that includes the medical during COVID. They're not given proper medical treatment. Um, So, I mean, I could create a whole list, but that's Mm -hmm. the main thing, knowing that we're there trying to get them the help that they need to be healthy. And we were taking affidavits from the loved ones who were there, 
that can state how their their loved ones' rights were being violated. And somebody just um, uh, somebody just had commented as well. Um, I'm going to give the names. I don't think there's a problem with it um, on on, on uh, Marty Oakley's link to, for the show live stream. Um, uh, the, Steve, Steve Baker says the parole board should have to give a reason for denying an inmate parole. Absolutely. And Absolutely. see, uh, Tonya, let and, me and, say and, this. Uh, Leslie, hi. Let's jump hi. right in. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey, you know what? Um, uh, okay, you say that, and then I've got to give my disclosures to protect us all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, with my husband, he has been denied parole 2003, 6, 12, 15, 18, and here we're coming up on 21, which is probably going to get the same rubber stamp of denied. And, and Daryl told me that you're actually allowed to apply for parole. Um, well, it's, are you allowed to- for Daryl's sentence, it's every three years, and I believe nonviolent is every year. But they can go up to five years if they want to. If they don't like you, or the wind's blowing, or somebody passed gas in the room and it irritated them, they can just say, well, we're just going to do it for five years. you maintain your innocence. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and especially if you've been incarcerated for 33 or 43 or 50 years and you haven't had one write-up and you've been been an exemplary um, inmate, well, why would they want to let you go? They get $50 a day for housing you. Right, right. And you make it easier, and he makes it easier on the corrections officers when he's keeping everybody in line. Absolutely. You know, because I know that he's, he's jumping in. He's, he's responsible for diffusing. Absolutely. Situations. He has yep. he has yep. jumped in. You know, he's 53. He This was his first, first offense. He went to prison when he was 19. He turned 21 in prison. You know, you can sing that song, 21 in prison, doing life without parole. But fortunately, he just has life, which might as well be a death sentence, you know. Um, yep. But, you know, when he when he sees things going on or he sees gang members, even non-gang members, he sees people fighting, he gets right in the middle of them and he says, whoa, 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 we're supposed to be grown men here. You know, let's yeah. talk about yeah, this. Yeah, they're for everybody. And he's always they're trying to mentor everyone, you know. Right. He's mm-hmm. always trying to. So, anyway, that's just all I wanted to say real quick on that part and pro board. There's something else. Okay. All right, all right. So, um, all right. Now, do you? How are you doing? Okay. So, no, that's fine. And we, oh boy, this is going to be one heck of a show. It's two hours tonight. It's two hours, but it's still going to fly. It really is. So, I just want to make sure that everybody's aware that we are on a Christian radio station. So, we'll be extra careful with that. Not to mention we're FCC regulated. Okay. So, um, also, I'm not an attorney. Neither of us that are speaking here tonight are attorneys, uh, but Stephen Burke, Marty Oakley, and myself cannot be held personally or professionally liable for any content. However, certainly feel free to uh, lend correction or clarity if you feel that it needs to be done. Um, it will be reviewed, and any kind of reduction or uh, or, or uh, correction that needs to be made, will be made, will be made, will be made. 
as needed, okay? We're not automatically a rubber stamp every three years, okay? <laughs> so uh, let's, let's just make this perfectly clear that we are here and we side with the right side and super, super excited about this show tonight. I have been given permission. I'm going to share this song. Marty, I hope it comes across well. You let me know if it doesn't. But I'm going to share this song. And it's a group. I've got permission. It's a group that wrote a song called Free Me. And it's by Monster. And you can listen to it on YouTube. But let's see how it sounds when I open it up and I play it here. Tanya? Tanya? I told you the truth. Set me free. Okay. All right. So, anyways, I'm getting word that um, some can't hear it all that well. Uh, but this is just a resonating song uh, by Monster, Set Me Free, or Free Me. How did that sound? Did anybody, is there another comment? Were there others that are having a hard time hearing it? Yeah, I couldn't really understand it. Okay. All right. Well, next time I'll send the MP3 to, to Marty because I really want people to hear their song. The lyrics are I'm incredible, so I apologize uh, for that. Okay, well, let's talk 42 U.S. Code 1983, civil action for dep- deprivation of rights. Every person under color of any statute, ordinance, regulation, custom, or usage of any state or territory or the District of Columbia subjects or causes to be subjected any citizen of the United States 
or other person within the jurisdiction thereof the deprivation deprivation of, of any rights, privileges, or immunities secured by the Constitution and laws shall be liable to the party injured in an action at law, suit in equity, or other proper proceeding for redress, except that in action brought against the judicial officer for an act or omission taken in such judicial officer's judicial capacity, injunctive relief shall not be granted unless a declaratory decree was violated or declaratory relief was unavailable. For the purposes of this section, any act of Congress applicable exclusively to the District of Columbia shall be considered to be the statute of District of Columbia. Now, again, I'm not a lawyer, but in case you're wondering what a declaratory, uh, de- what declaratory relief is, that is something that is available to the actual plaintiff, the person setting forth the suit to the court. So if that, uh, if, uh, so this is the exception, okay, so, um, you know, if that was unavailable, such as, in other words, if you're plaintiff, okay, if you, I, forgive me, if you're defendant, then, then, that is, then that is moot, which means that is not an exception as to why you would, as to why you uh, would be able to uh, uh, file that suit. So as a defendant, you certainly do have the right, if you have been deprived your constitutional rights as made available through, of course, our Constitution and by law, Okay. Um, and I just got another comment here. It's just important to start these shows out very strong so that uh, our listeners know that uh, there is cost. There is cost. You don't just have to stand defeated and abused. There is cost. With that being said, and James, are you there? I just want to say hi to you. No, I am here. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, I, I'm upset that, that uh, people missed that song, but I hope everybody, uh, I bet you you will, you'll look it up, Monster, Free Me. Oh, my gosh, that song is just like, we're just going to, that's going to be our, that's going to be our song for what, for what we do. And I'm so pleased that uh, we were given permission to actually uh, use that song. Um, so, you know, I know, I really appreciate, we really appreciate that you were on last week and want to make sure that you, um, that you chime in, that you confirm or you, or you, you bring uh, an, an interesting comment that I know you will, that you're quite I, capable of because... Like I've said, I, I enjoy talking about the uh, Oklahoma Department of Corruptions, um, <laughs> and I, I don't I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's empowering, isn't it? Well, Absolutely you know, I I consider it a voice for the voiceless. Um, yeah, there are a lot of people that are afraid to say anything, but I've already been prosecuted, and. Uh, I've taken wow. my punishment for what I said and what I've, you know, went through. 
and uh, you know, I'm on I'm on the other side of it now. Um, and and, you know, the, and yeah, and as a, as a very brief, I'll mention this now. Is you want to give that that very brief you know intro about yourself so people know when you're interjecting you know before we get to part two, just go ahead and 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 let's let our listeners know in case they didn't hear you okay. last week. I'm a uh, former uh, correctional officer from the Lexington Assessment and Reception Center in Lexington, Oklahoma. Um, it is the facility that processes all felons in Oklahoma before they're assigned to the prison. Uh, that they will eventually go to. Um, the facility there has a yard as well as the processing facility. There's approximately 800 on the yard and at any given time, seven to 800 uh, going through processing. And uh, I resigned from that position and had recorded um, sampling of my experience in the prison and made them very public. Um, oh, and it <laughs> and it became kind of a uh, you know high profile um, whistleblowing incident. And wow. uh, I was prosecuted uh, for my efforts. And uh, uh, and uh, just for clarity, the reason why he actually was prosecuted. Um, was uh, because, it, well, first of all, he was retaliated against illegally, in which there was a suit in action or no? In process or um, no? You're not able we, to talk uh, about it. We went to court a lot of times. Um, it seemed to me that the state kept drawing it out, um, and then eventually it came down to they found a technicality in that I had resigned uh, prior to me making the information available, I mean, uh, yeah, because I yep. resigned prior to the information being made public, I was not covered by the Whistleblower Act of 1998, <clears throat> which I thought would cover me and protect me. And uh, on that technicality, they got me, and they were able to prosecute me. So right, if because I was you're not allowed an employee, to record anything um, as a correctional officer. So, but if you had actually uh, contacted with uh, made contact with a lawyer that would protect would, would be see to it that your proper protections were set forth, then it would have been a whole other. If story. I would have remained an employee, yes, um, I, I would have been protected. Right. Um, but I would have not been protected from the other officers or employees that were uh, that may have taken exception to what I did. Wow. So the law would have protected me, but uh, I, I would have been in, you know, probably uh, grave danger. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I believe that at, the facility. It. at some point you would have had to have been put in protective custody. I, 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 yeah. No, I believe that. that. <laughs> right. I wasn't. Well, I wasn't he was, in he was actually from the thrown inmate. into uh, Lark when he was picked up. Right. You were brought to Lark. No, no. I was, oh, I was, uh, when they when they picked me up, I was taken to a county, uh, Cleveland. Oh, okay. Um. But, uh, yeah, and there I was, uh, you know, had my ribs broken and uh, had my face slammed in the concrete by officers there. And then uh, was put into a general population, and general population was notified that I was a correctional officer, which could have potentially placed me in harm's way. 
Yeah. It's grave danger. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But fortunately, there were inmates um, in the uh, quad that they put me in that recognized me and knew my story and uh, stood up for me. Good for you. Um, against uh, the other inmates and said, you know, he did the right thing. He was an Good officer, but he he did the right thing and, you know. I had, uh, you know, thousands of inmate families uh, contact me and thank me for what I did. And uh, I I really just did it because, not because of that, but because somebody needed to say something. Um, Well, I want to thank you personally for my husband. He's been in prison for almost 33 years, and he has been to every facility other than the minimums. And I just want to thank people like you. I just wanted to personally thank you for doing that. Well, the more attention that's brought to it, um, the better, which is why, you know, I, I agree to continue to, to talk about it uh, yeah. because it needs to be looked at. Um, Oklahoma incarcerates far too many people. Um, yes. The, con- the conditions, they don't have uh, sufficient officers. They can't keep officers. Um, mm-hmm. So they're understaffed. Um, the conditions are deplorable. Yeah, they're undertrained. And uh, the conditions in the prison are bad. Um, you know, some of know, the officers I've come across, I'm like, who bullied you when you were growing up? You know, I mean, it's like they really have taken their frustrations out on some of the prisoners. I mean, you know, my husband just told me yesterday, they said that if he didn't eat anything, you know, because he was um, on a starvation strike and um, a medicine strike until they got things, you know, going right. And they said if he hadn't eaten that next day that they were going to handcuff him and put him in a room and beat him up, you know, and make him eat. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yep. Yeah. um, You know, I I think it's just uh, it's hard to get officers to take the job. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's hard for them to keep the good ones that they have. And mm-hmm. so there's like a revolving door of people coming in and out. And, you know, it, it really takes uh, somebody with uh, a little more maturity uh, to handle the situation within there. And they wind up with a lot of very young officers. Right. And the inmates are, are pretty smart. Um, mm-hmm. They have nothing but time. And, uh, well, the ones, the you know, ones that, that are lifers without parole, for, for sure, right? You know, what if they yeah, have to do yeah. some of them? The gang and even members. Just, you know, a, right, and there's, you know, it's, it's a cat and mouse game in there. And I think, you know, a lot of the young officers are taken advantage of, and they're scared. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're in a situation with a lot of, uh, you know, felons, some of them dangerous, some not. You know, right. some there rightfully, some there wrongfully. Right. Um, and some that have some that have also come around, and that's not who they are anymore, too. I mean, it's a combination exactly. of. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. You know, um, I, I've always said, so you know, much, one mistake does not mean the life is lost. You know, right. um, we can't throw people away because of one mistake. We all make mistakes at some point, and uh, I think they're too quick to just say that life is lost and. There's there's not counseling, there's not, you know, help, there's, you know, 
there, you have drug addicts being put in there that are going cold turkey and going into seizures. <laughs> um, yep. That, and, and it's bad. Uh, you know, you have some hardcore alcoholics and that go in there, and you know they're not given help; they're locked up. Right. They're going to sit in there and potentially die. Right. Uh, some of them are going right. to really bad. Going into all kinds of physiological um, huge stressors. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Plus being the somebody told me the other up. day that somebody got twenty five years, twenty five years for stealing a car. Never been in trouble before. Absolutely. Twenty five yeah, years. Husband, my husband had never been in trouble before, and he got life because you know the situation with him. I mean, you know, the the jury was not given the factual information. You know, he wasn't tried um, according to the Constitution. So let, let's move on he, to that. He, let's move on to that. Okay. And here, here's the rally for your husband, okay? So your your husband uh, was charged with murder one. Now let's take a look at Title 21, Crimes and Punishments, uh, 21-701.7. Murder in the first degree is a person who commits murder in the first degree when a person unlawfully and with malice uh, forethought, so the thinking ahead, planning, causes death of another human being. Malice is that deliberate intention, deliberate intention. Absolutely, and there was, there was none the in his heart. Being, which is manifested yep. by external yep. circumstances of proof. Okay, that's A. Right. So that is not the case there, okay? So we can move on. Right. Right? We'll move on to B. A person also commits the murder uh, uh, in the first degree regardless of malice when that person or the other person takes the life of a human being during or or if the death of a human being results from the commission or attempted commission of murder of another person shooting or discharge of firearm or crossbow with intent to kill, intentional discharge of firearm or other, uh, none of that. None of that there. Okay, I'll just move on. Except as provided in paragraph three of subsection, the term, term synthetic controlled substance means substance abuse. Okay, so nobody was, uh, he didn't distribute any, uh, okay, looting an officer, escape from lawful custody, right? Okay, so um, the chemical structure is substantially similar to the chemical structure and substance abuse. He had nothing to do with this man being uh, actually dying of an overdose. Correct? No. That's correct. He didn't, drugs he did not. No. Okay. Then, then we've got, all right, it moves on and 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 on. So the bottom line is, so your husband was accused of, uh, uh, was charged with, with murder one and found guilty of murder one when there was no forethought, and he actually didn't even touch he never even touched that the person who did die. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. He did not even touch. All he did was get in the front seat and drive the car. And all I have to say is Bob Macy and Joyce Gilchrist. And you <laughs> talked about corruption. Yes. yes. You know, Bob yes. Macy wanted to make an example of my husband because he was a former Crips gang member from California. And he said, we must make an example and Mr. Wiggins is going to be the example. And there yeah. were four other, three other individuals in the same 
case. And Daryl did not even get a fair trial by himself. He was tried with two hundred other individuals, so it was like a group thing. Okay, we're going to give this gentleman this, going to give this gentleman this, and we're going to give Daryl Wiggins life. Murder one comes with uh, felony kidnapping. He walked into the wrong place and wrong time and just agreed to move that guy out of an area where the police were coming. Nobody is saying, nobody is saying that, um, and, and neither has your husband said that, uh, that uh, he that he wasn't there for the he, he was he came there to get some drugs for himself correct right right exactly he some drugs for himself exactly right? um but it just so happened that uh, there was somebody else who had been cracked out on drugs and showed up uh, high on PCP uh, on PCP and started like yep. going out of his mind making a huge ruckus. Yep. When he got there, other wow. people mm-hmm. in yep. the drug house, other people in the drug house had actually tied him up and thrown him into his own vehicle, uh, this person's yep. own vehicle. And when Daryl showed up, he just agreed to, to take him out of that area and, 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 and brought the vehicle to a few blocks away where the police couldn't, uh, you know, to get him away from causing um, – Alert, so the drug house wouldn't get busted, and everybody around there. So, was he perfect? And your husband, no. Did he kill no. him? No. And as a matter of fact, it's interesting because the state's witness changed to somebody who would actually say that uh, his death was a result of heat, uh, uh, of heat, uh, heat right. exhaustion, heat stroke. Right. Right. But the fact is now, the fact is, there's a there there are other experts that are testifying uh, for the co-defendant that he actually died of a drug overdose. Actually died of a drug overdose. So That's right. And, I mean, we can hope. Yeah, Daryl didn't even touch him. So if he didn't touch him and all he did was drive the car and he died of a drug overdose, why is it my husband got a murder one sentence and the other two gentlemen that hogtied this man, hogtied him, gagged him with a bandana and hogtied him, you know, was beating him with bats. How come they walked 10, 15 years ago and got, uh, you know, secondary murder? They got murder too, and my husband is still sitting in there 33 years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a miscarriage of justice. That's right. You know, and I about had kittens when I found out that his son was on the pardon and pro board. And, of course, he's gone now. He's not on there, but I thought, oh, dear Lord, it's starting all over again, you know. Right. And Bob Macy and uh, and Joyce Gilchrist have been in the headlines for a good deal of malfeasance. If anybody just Googles yes. the name Bob Macy uh, yep. and what he was really all about, you're going to see that he has been uh, basically that he he died a man that was known to be as harsh as harsh can be, but not only that, but malfeasance. Right. Not only that, but malfeasance. Uh, the show there right here. Um, I'm reading this is about a show that he was uh, highlighted in. Uh, uh, where let me see. Uh, uh, Oh, goodness gracious. I was just at this point. I had highlighted this before. Um, uh, 
in any event, he was he's got one heck of a uh one heck of of a bio that uh uh the show was quick to point out that Macy kept count on how many he put to death put on death row, fifty four in the end. It would be wrong to assume that seeking the death penalty was something Macy had enjoyed, relished or was or was his total focus in office or life. I don't take any joy in the execution of a person, he said. But I know what happens. Two things are going to happen. He isn't going to kill anyone else, and it is a deterrent, he explained. Uh, well, guess what? Um, he used his philosophy wrongfully and murdered him, essentially uh, put people to death between him and Joyce Gilchrist, who was part of a, an investigative process, uh, put people to death that were actually innocent Come to find out. You look up Joyce Gilchrist. It's spelled G-I-L and then Christ. Gil Christ, okay? You look mm-hmm. her up. And so these people just felt, it seems to me, that they were bigger than God themselves uh, and could determine Absolutely. who lived or died, uh, yep. whether or not um, they followed uh, proper procedures, which would allow for a fair trial, even if you did believe in the death penalty. And this is why the death penalty is such a scary thing, you know. Um, you know whether you believe it in or not. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and judge people for believing in it or not. But how can you believe it when you know that people are being sentenced to life, to death, when there's this kind of malfeasance that's going on? So even if somebody believes in the death in the death penalty, right? The first thing that needs to happen, right, is how about believing in total transparency, total accountability, and the, the uh, constitutional process is never being violated and holding those accountable that do violate it. And I'm not even suggesting in this case uh, that they're given the same pe- the penalty uh, that the uh, other victim would have gotten, but how about just short of death when they're doing it on purpose? Because let me tell you. That cruel and unusual punishment to give to somebody who's actually innocent and to not follow the process. And I'll be darned if we're going to sit here and continue watching this happen and listening to this happen and seeing this happen. And that's why we're having a rally right now. God bless Daryl Wiggins and all that he stands for. And, you know, Tanya, if Daryl was here with me, he would say, now let's, let's just be completely honest. I take complete blame for what happened with Jewel. You know, I take I, I take complete blame as far as I'm not innocent. I was there. I was at the wrong place, the wrong time. You know, but he says I, I you know, he would tell me I'm not innocent by any means. You know, but I believe that 33 years is enough time. None of his family has ever contested his uh, his parole, none of them have ever contested. He's never had one contester at any of his parole hearings, you know, and... Um, no, you can't let him be on parole. They, they, they know, they understand what happened. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he has wanted for years to contact um, uh, the victim's family and, you know, just tell them how sorry he is. And, I mean, this affects Daryl on a daily basis. I mean, on a daily basis. How can it not 
when he looks at a six-by-six cement cell? You know, how can it not affect him every day? But, you know, speaking of the Pardon the Pro Board, I mean, we have to. Isn't there some kind of accountability that we have to hold them to? I mean, look at all the prisoners that have been in there for 20, 30, 40 years, and now they're vulnerable to COVID. You know, look at my husband. He just had emergency bypass, quadruple bypass surgery, never been sick a day in his life, and now he's 100% blocked in one, 85% blocked in two, and 75% blocked in his fourth one. And now he's completely, you know, he's feeling better, but it word was received today that they have taken him back to the hospital to get him out of COVID-19. You know, so let's and go through, um, you know, he admits that when he was first, um, when he first uh, was thrown in prison with a wrongful charge, uh, sentenced wrongfully because, of course, um, there, the uh, jury was not allowed to see uh, uh, the 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 full uh, case. The facts. Uh, yeah. The facts. Okay. So they had to decide based on what um, they were given. Uh, so proper yep. uh, instructions were not given. Uh, but let's see. Uh, he admitted that, you know, he basically had to fend for his life because he didn't, he, he uh, wasn't going to become um, somebody else's rag doll. So he had to, is that correct? Yes. I mean, you know, the, uh, public defender, who, you know, because at the time, I mean, you know, he came, he came up for the projects. You know, he had a, his mom was single. You know, she um, tried to do the best she could. You know, Daryl was out selling drugs, trying to help pay his mother's rent. You know, and um, I mean, I can't say great. He was out selling drugs because he was helping his mom. I mean, I'm not cheering that. I'm just saying, you know, he was trying to provide in the way that. He, that his mind knew to do, you know. Right, and but when he first went to when he first went to prison, um, yes, he wasn't the model inmate. Absolutely not. I mean, he was 19, going on 20, and you know when he went in, he lived like he had a life sentence. He didn't care, you know. He had assault and batteries on CO, assault and batteries on CO, you know. Um, uh, you know, found guilty of, you know, weed in his urine. I mean, just, you know, just, just, you know, he had write-up after write-up after write-up. And up until 2000, he had like 47 write-ups. From 1988 to 2000, that's a lot. In 2000, he gave his life to God and he learned to live right and do better. And from 2000 to current, he has lived his life according to what God has said for him to do. And he has mentored, you know, he has, um, he has tried to be the example that God wants him to be, you know, and he leaves everybody alone. He minds his own business. He does his own thing and he concentrates on every day. God, how can I get better? How can I be better so I can get out of this hell on earth? You know, it's constantly every day he's fighting for his life. You and look you at an inmate wrong, ma'am. 
when, and you were married when? March 8, 2011, and I've known him since October of 2000. And, um, you know, I'm very proud to have known him 20 years. He is a, he's a man of integrity, a man of um, intelligence. He's very smart. Like I said last time, he scored higher on his GED than I scored on some of my scores in high school. You know, mm-hmm. and he said, well, I can't be very smart because I'm in prison. I said, no, you made a mistake, girl. I said, you made a mistake. And I said, you know, I believe that God stopped you because you were going down a hill that was very dangerous, you know. Yeah. But, um, he had a rough you know, life he, from, the, from the beginning, but you have to leave that behind now. But absolutely. he's been in there, he's got, he, he's got it. He completed his uh, GED. Uh, he went to yep. Pontiac. He uh, he uh, graduated uh, as a, uh, from Pontiac Insti- Business Institute as a horticulturist. Uh, yep. A certified yep. instructor, Texan Texas Christian University enhanced yep. counseling. Counselor. Yep. yep. The Father Program, uh, Quenching the Father First, New Life Behavior Course. There's multiple courses. Uh, Cage Your Rage. Um, and you know it's funny because they do call it a um, a violent offense, you, you know, uh, right. a murder in the first degree. But I mean, he drove a vehicle. Okay, yeah. Uh, a yeah. Rage Quest program, Kairos Horizon, multiple programs in years, Perfect Attendance, multiple programs, Kairos Seven Habits Course, etc. Warden Charles Ray Prize Therapeutic Community Program, Kairos computer orientation class and he has and I'm looking at his um uh letter to the parole board board the package to the parole board. Now not once in here not once in this last uh request um you know for uh to the pardon parole board does he say that he's innocent because he stopped trying to say that. Is that correct? It's That's right. 2018. This is Daryl L. Wiggins, DOC number 155255. Um, he doesn't even say in here, look, I'm innocent to begin with, right? He right. Just, he just doesn't want you want to go there anymore. You know, because, I mean, you know, what happened happened, you know, um right. You know, what's happened has happened, and all he can do is move forward. And, you know, I, I mean, he is just, he's exceptional. And, of course, I'm I'm partial. But, you know, any, I mean, you know, when my sister finally got to meet him, um, she was like, wow, you could never tell he served a day in his life in prison. I mean, you know, he's not... He's not the, um, you know, he's just, I don't know, he's just exceptional, you know, and I think that it's been, um, it's been a terrible situation and horrible for him, and, you know, when he tells me, you know, when he calls home and he tells me, he said, they gave us something, I think, today that resembled something of baloney, you know, and he said, we had three or four drops of something (laughs) in some water. You know, and I know you laugh because you know it's true. You know it's true. Uh, green baloney, right? No, don't eat Absolutely. Green and it's not even Christmas. <laughs> you know? And I mean he says the trays are so rancid from the water that has been left on the trays. 
or food. They eat a lot of oatmeal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Daryl says he gets a hockey puck. You know, he gets a hockey puck for breakfast, you know, and <laughs> and maybe maybe a cup of milk, you know. And he said he has to drown it in, you know, grape jelly to even get a taste of oatmeal. He has to bury the, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's horrible, you know. And when we were at Holdenville, when we were at uh, Davis, um, I mean, I saw some of the meals. And I just broke down and cried at the table, and I said, baby, please tell me you're not eating that. What choice does he you have? Know? Oh. Yeah. You know, unless you can get some soups on commissary, and, you know. But, yeah, you know, and food I, in there I really bad. A, yeah, I set aside, you know, I try to set aside $100 a month. And he said, you have no idea how I can make $50 last, <laughs> you know, and, and he does. I mean, he, you know, that, that's all I can afford. You know, I'm on, I'm social security disability now, you know, and I have to take care of a home and a car and take care of myself. But, you know, if he doesn't have soups or he doesn't have some sausages or, you know, something, I mean, he'll eat, he'll open a soup. And he'll put sausage in it and make it last three days. You know, and you know, so, our prisons run on soups. I'm telling you, that's uh, that's monetary, and uh, they're not supposed to barter. But uh, that <laughs> that the prisons. Wow! Run on soups. So you can say that pretty confidently, can't you? Oh, huh. on on commissary day, if you really want to know who's doing what in the prison, you just follow the soup yep. train. That's right. You know. Because, uh, you know, when they got their packs and full of uh, soups, you can go see who they're paying. And uh, you can follow the soup train and know exactly who's doing what. Wow. They're not supposed to barter, but uh, I'm telling you, our prisons are run on ramen. <laughs> wow. And, you know, you know, when the day that Daryl went to the hospital – the day that Daryl went to the hospital for his bypass surgery, that he went the day before, um, you know, I I I met this lady on Facebook that she said her son knew him, and she said that he didn't have anything, and Daryl gave him two soups and some Kool-Aid's and a sausage, and he said, "Here, man," he said, "This ought to get you through till you get." Uh, Till you get uh, what's or you know orientated and you know get you some get you some money on your canteen, you know. And his mother was just floored that you know that's what I'm saying that that's what my husband does. He takes he care of other people. That, um, right, because I got I got something that that somebody had said on behalf of their son too. I'm not sure if it's the same yes. one. Yes, yes, okay. it is. Yep. Just how amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's what I mean. The part in Proborn, they don't hear about stuff like that. They don't hear about stuff that, you know, my husband gave somebody food out of his pocket because this baby didn't have nothing. He was 19, and that's when Daryl went in. He was 19, and he knows how it was, and so he's trying to help others. Part in Proborn don't see that. What they see is is the 47 write-ups. And they see that Daryl's in for murder one. They could care less about his story. So you know, listen, I'm, 
I'm part of the parole board process right now. I'm looking at the Oklahoma page, okay? It's ok.gov forward slash ppb forward Uh slash parole underscore process. So what I find really interesting is uh, right now I'm sorry, the parole process. Now, underneath that it says, this is my first glaring red flag. Paroles can be divided into two categories. Okay. Now, let me repeat that again. Parole can be divided into two categories. And can I just say this? Because they can. Well, I said I just wanted to say this because they can. Right. So, but instead of, but this is exactly, this is the point. Why not R? divided. Instead, it's may or may not. Shall or shall not. You, you know? So there's a big difference. One word, parole can be divided into two categories. All right? So right here, that is an area that means they can be. doesn't mean they will be. Okay? Let's start there. Anybody who puts these processes together must be, you know, a very well versed in uh in statements, um uh, in uh in, in writing representations and misrepresentations as well because who will normally pick up on that one word? Right? Because we read mm-hmm. I'm just I, I'm a cynic as I read these things, okay? I'm I power. But please, parole can be divided. All right? Right there, it it pretty much nullifies a lot. If an offended has been convicted, they must serve. There's other things to say, must and are and whatnot. But right there, can be divided into two categories means it doesn't mean they are, if you ask me. Like, they don't necessarily have to follow their own rules. Not that they do anyways, okay? Um, Each vote is not finalized uh, until uh, the meeting is adjourned on the final day. Afterwards, the votes are validated and are posted for public uh, dissemination. The Partner Parole Board makes one of four decisions at a parole hearing. One, recommended parole for violent offenders to the governor. Two, grant parole for nonviolent offenders. Three, pass to another docket. This option is rarely used and is typically done when additional information is needed. Four, denial of parole for the offender. Well, you know what? I'd at least like to see three pass to another docket because additional information is needed. I would really like to see that. You know? Yep. But does that happen? I, You know what? I wonder, does that actually happen? How many have actually been passed to another docket? Or do people just go, oh, let's deny it? Let's deny it. And then, of course, you've got McCall. McCall, who has been called out publicly by many, asked to resign, who was a judge, (laughs) who put a lot of people uh, behind bars that has a really bad reputation for being malfeasant, who is on the Pardon and Parole Board. Um, Now, mind you who he was appointed by. And he was appointed by... Guess who? Governor Mary Fallon. Mary oh, Fallon or whoever. Right, Mary Fallon. Mary Fallon. 
<laughs> Mary Fallon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's story upon a story upon story, but here we are. We are rallying for your husband and for those others because he has made it perfectly perfectly clear. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's coming from you. He's made it perfectly clear that this is not just for him, that this is for Absolutely. others. Absolutely. This is for everyone involved in the system. Daryl wishes that everyone, everyone have the same opportunity and the same chance and the same all across the board for everyone involved. The, the pardon okay, and probe board needs from, to be held accountable. This is from Anonymous here. Um, pardon and parole uh, reform, transparency in, the, transparency in the pardon and parole board. When you're having the rally, please put out there that the pardon and parole board in Oklahoma needs to be reformed for the aging and prisoner population, and they need to be held to some type of accountability and transparency and decision-making for the one-third prisoners in prison who have been incarcerated for 20, 30, 40 years in Oklahoma, and they are now vulnerable to COVID-19. Thank you. Well, it was just uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, that there was another COVID death, um, and, and it was actually in the same uh, prison where your husband is. Am I correct? That's right. And he was given 500 years. He was given 500 years. And you look into that case, and that's a whole other story. Actually, that is a um, a client of Deborah Hampton, uh, was a client of Deborah Hampton, attorney at law in Oklahoma. And the only one that I I would dare to trust. I talked to Daryl last night, and I told him about it. He was able to call home, and I told him, you know, who it was, and he got real quiet, and his voice started cracking, and he said, man, he said, that was my partner. He said, he is a good, good, good guy. He said, he's a good guy. You said that you had met him a number of times while you were there visiting. Yes. I saw him at visit, and he was was nothing but exceptional. Just like Daryl, I mean, very polite and just, you know, just quirky and just and just really nice, you know, and didn't didn't have, you know, bitterness and you know, chip on his shoulder and he was just making it for what it is, even though he had an excessive sentence of 500 ridiculous years, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he was a wonderful gentleman, and he died of COVID, and it's just it's awful. Hey. Right, and you and if you look at his and I did, I looked at his, uh, I, I looked at his record, and you know you look at his record and you think he's a monster, okay? You look at your husband's yeah. re- your record, you think he's a monster, right? But he's right. not. Right. No. He's not. Now, uh, you, you know, and see, this is just the thing is, uh, this is where we need to, um, uh, to to stop basically blacklisting um, those that should be. Um, considered uh, model inmates and those that would qualify for, um, you know, uh, what you'd think would qualify for second chances. Um, but that's not what is happening in in Oklahoma. Um, so there is, a, a, I believe, a 
uh, House Bill uh, 804 that's up and coming, Tina. Is that right? 805. It's State Question 805. Okay. Can you speak on that a little bit, Tina? It's about the afterformers so that um, a charge that you've had before can't be make a stiffer sentence for you if you've had uh, uh i can comment a little bit okay. on it. uh proposition 805 says uh basically your former felonies non-violent felonies cannot be stacked against you um on a current conviction to increase your sentence um, because what they've been doing is say you've had uh, a burglary felony but was non-violent um, cannot be used against you on another burglary charge and stacked uh, to increase your sentence. So okay. any former any former felony that you've had um, cannot go against a current charge to increase sentences because the state of Oklahoma has been doing that, and they've been putting people in there on nonviolent offenses on uh, very long sentences. And our okay. prisons are full of uh, people, nonviolent so offenders, very long sentences. Of that. I, I can and that's just and a start. I mean, that. that's, yeah, that's just a, you know, a start um, to try yeah. to decrease populations. Okay. Because our I'm, I'm more interested the in the nonviolent offenders, uh, you know. You know, like writing bad checks, you know. Yeah. Um, Say somebody's written bad checks um, and has a, a forgery charge, you know, and then they get picked up, say, on a, a burglary charge. Well, mm-hmm. they can't take that former forgery charge, which is a nonviolent felony, stack it with the burglary charge and give you a double sentence. Okay, so, well, okay, so I can understand you, uh, you, you can't be charged for the same thing twice. Right. Well, they can't consider it, is what their uh, Proposition 805 is saying. It cannot be considered in the sentencing phase. Huh. Of, what are your uh, What are your thoughts on that, James? Um, I think we have too many people in the prison. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're bursting at the seams. Uh, our state is incarcerating far too many people for far too long for far too little. Um. Mm-hmm. I think we need to look at, and I think Proposition 805 is is a drop in the bucket um, towards trying to clear our prisons. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that it goes far enough, but I I would suggest voting for it uh, because it at least is bringing attention to the sentencing phase and – Beginning the Can discussion. something be done outside of uh, the prison to hold them accountable? You know, obviously, you know, if somebody keeps on doing the same thing, the same thing over and over and over again, they're repeat offenders. Um, then, right. Then yeah. it needs to be considered. You know, even if it's the same offense. Say somebody's continuing to write bad checks. Right. You know, even though it's a nonviolent, you know, at some point um, it has to be considered that it's the same offense. Um, So I think, you know, as you look at it, as it goes into the repetition of the same offense, 
a repeat offender of the same thing, um, right. there needs to be consideration. But if right. it's a separate charge, different thing, um, not related to a prior nonviolent. Right, right. So there you needs know, to so, be more clarity and and right, right. In it, yeah. Because if you have somebody that's continuing to write bad checks and you let them out and they do it again and then they do it again and even though it's a nonviolent, you've got to consider right. they're doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, and somebody's a victim it, to it. I mean, look, I mean, and, who, right. I, I, I'm sure there are people out there that have never done or that, that have never, uh, you know, uh, written a bad check. But most of the people who write a bad check, it's by accident, or they thought that you know there was a cross in deposits or whatever, or they didn't you know know it was you know, and they and make good of right. it, right? So, but if it's they, deliberate you know, forgeries, right? Okay, all right. So there's a big difference there, right? Right. Right. If it's deliberate um, forgeries and they continue to do deliberate forgeries, right? You know, I think it, right. You know, and I, I've thought about that in, in 805, and I haven't read the complete uh, proposition. Um, yeah, I've read summaries, mm-hmm. but it, it, if it's a, the same offense, you know, it, it gets into a different area mm-hmm. because they're not learning their lesson, and, and you oh, know, wow. then they have to consider, you know, we've got a repeat offender that's doing the same thing over and over. Right. But if it's a separate offense, a different nonviolent, um, yeah. not related to a previous charge, it shouldn't be considered. Right. So I mean, there is some gray area, but uh, to me, the discussion is good. Um, yeah. The attention paid to the Department of Corruptions is good. Um, and it and does say exclusion for violent felons. The measure mm-hmm. would not apply to those who have ever been convicted of a violent felony. All right. right. Does uh, not apply to violent so, felonies. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's it's worth it's, people looking at, and uh, at least uh, yeah. It's, uh, so uh, yeah. I mean, we so, should look at our prison populations in that way. I think yeah. it's good, um, because you know we're right up there at the top in per capita incarceration. Yeah, and I, I, I think if we look at I, 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 yeah, oh, there definitely has to be the reform, and we know that you know. Governor's debt, uh, 500 women were uh, were released, and, and so that's good. Um, I also think that we need to look at these um, the over-sentencing. I mean, I think if we review uh, the cases where people are coming forward instead of just throwing them out, you know, the wrongful convictions. So it, guess what? It might cost the state more money initially, uh, but, you know, of course they're not going to do it because that's kind of like I said last week. It's like you know, uh, having having a judge rule on his own case, right? But um, but mm-hmm. the, but the point is, you know, it's it's the issue is with in many cases, yeah, the over sentencing, right? But it's also the, the wrong yep. charges, and it's the denial of the of uh, the pardon and parole, which maybe it should be. But what's the true percentage where it should be? You know, why isn't there the transparency? Um, you know, and, you know, when you look at pardon and parole boards, um, you know, we're asking them to make decisions on people's mental state of where they're at now uh, compared to where they were before. And 
you know, to me, this is just my thinking on it is there should be some sort of uh, professional evaluation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what are the qualifications of the parole board to evaluate the mental state? Of- but you know what? I'm going to jump in there and say something real quick. The um, the uh, parole investigator that they have at each at each correctional facility or correctional center, I mean, currently, like, you know, wherever Daryl was, it always he, – he had a couple of good parole investigators, but then, like, one that they currently have, I mean, just on a complete, complete, complete vendetta. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to recommend you for parole. I'm not going to recommend you for parole. And the partner parole board takes that, I mean, literally. And when the parole investigator says, no way, no how should he get out, they're going to go by that. Right, and I think the transparency, there should be, um, you know, reasons stated. Uh, that seems completely reasonable. Um, an inmate right. should have the right to know why they're denied. Absolutely. You know, what is it do I need to improve on? You know, what is it that uh, is preventing me from being considered? Well, if they find out you're denied, Absolutely. then you can't appeal it, can you? <laughs> right. I mean, if they're just saying That's- denied, you're going, okay, well, you know, what is it that I'm not doing? Right. You know, I think there should be complete transparency in that process. Yes. Um, I'm sure it's a beautiful package there put forth. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because then you just really don't know. How can that be um, overseen, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, how do we know that there's not bias? You know, that McCall doesn't want somebody that he threw in, in prison to come out, you, you know, um, because he knows that uh, that if uh, the inside of prison, he can't fight for himself and bad mouth because he'll get beat up, say, just say, hypothetically speaking, right? He comes out, this person is, uh, you know, comes out, then they talk, you know, guess what? McCall, as he should be, and he is in the hot seat, but uh, much more can come to light. Much, much more can come to light. So um, let me see. I've got a message here. Uh, cellmate is on the bottom bunk and I'm on the top. We are locked away from our freedom behind a steel door. For walls surround, four walls surround us and keep us closed in. Um, I'm not going to name this person's first name. Uh, we'll just say John Doe is a virgin to the system, and me, I've done it again. Meager necessities is all you're allowed to keep, and on top of that, on top of a thin mat is how you sleep. From lockdown to lockdown is how the days pass you. Look out into the world through a bulletproof glass. You're lucky if your cellmate's ideas don't strongly conflict with your own. You're locked down together, but you Feel all alone. The walls inch in on you to remind you that you are confined so you don't find yourself in a book trying to escape and unwind. Some mornings you wake up thinking you can't take any more, knowing freedom is locked away from you by that steel door. Oh, my goodness. So that is from, that's from an inmate. Um wow. I'm going to read um, another um, 
I know uh, who this person is as well. Um, I'm going to uh, – here we go. Um, if you'd like to remain anonymous. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm not even going to say where this is taking place because I want to make sure uh, that this is not traceable. Five year, a five-year sentence on a, violent, a non-violent charge. He's been incarcerated for over two years now because of another charge. His time for his current charge was supposed to start back in December of 2019, and he has been on level four getting good conduct time for all this time since December. He got a time card last week saying he had 794 days remaining on his sentence. That's just under eight more months left. Then on Thursday of last week, his mother called records at blank facility to see why they were reviewing his jacket and was told he had and, and was told that he had been pulled for an audit and for his mother to call back on Friday to find out what they had determined. On Friday morning his mother called records again and spoke with all right, a Miss Hill. She informed this mother that they had found discrepancies in the amount of time he'd received and that they had changed his remaining days from 1,300 days remaining. That is 13 more months if he remains at level four. His remaining days to 1,300 remaining. So he went 794 to 1,300, okay? Uh, this man has been on his best behavior, staying out of trouble, keeping his level four for over a year now and is not getting credit for his time served at all. And now records will not answer the phone for comment on his case. I tried reaching out to them myself on Friday and was told they could not give that information out. Then who is to hold them accountable for this man a whole for a whole nother year? Five years break down break down to eighteen 25 day, 1,825 days in total. In jail time credit, it breaks down to your level and earned time. Level four is the highest you can get, and they receive 106 days a month on level four. So if he's getting 106 days since December and serving only 1,825 days total, how does he have 13 days, still, 1,300 still in September? It's called warehousing. Hmm. I said it's called warehousing. Yep. I agree with that. I'll just finish this. Uh, The person who shared this says, by my calculation, he should have 825 days left. That is without any programs that takes days off, which he's taken a couple, which adds up to 794 he had before they reviewed his jacket. The point of the story is that for-profit prisons or private prisons like Lawton and Davis are screwing people out of their time in order to keep them longer and make more money from them. They are feeding them garbage, keeping them locked down, and not allowing them to call their families. This has got to stop. Someone has to do something. It's about time time to end the for-profit prison system and clean out ODOC and their corruption. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 
Yes. Yes. Well, I have some very interesting recordings that are in conflict of what the public is being told. I have some very interested recordings from some high-ups in uh, ODOC that I'm holding close to my vest right now, but I can't tell you how exciting it is that Tina and I, uh, uh, what we've got, um, you know, between many, many uh, evidences of uh, of malfeasance and the many avid affidavits that are coming our way, um, and not to mention uh, other evidences as well, such as... <laughs> some recordings that are in total conflict um, and especially to an affidavit that was recently signed um, for the, um, uh, uh, on behalf of, uh, of the uh, citizens that they're at residence at uh, Lark, right, Tina? At Lark? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, regarding there was an affidavit that um, Carpenter had signed from uh, Department of Corrections uh, that stated that um, uh, the bracelets were um, uh, uh. voluntarily only, and this was uh, there was an injunction for relief that was uh, emergency injunction for relief that was uh, put forth by the again uh, Deborah Hampton, attorney of law uh, at law. Uh, there in Oklahoma, so I mean, there's those are just that's just stabbings waiting to happen, Tanya. Yep. Stabbings yep. waiting to happen. Yep. It's it, bingo. Nobody. Bingo. You know, and yeah, yeah. Well, and nobody, yeah, nobody knew that they were volunteer. You know, they were saying you're going to get this bracelet on because the CEOs were coming out going, aha, yeah, we're going to get y'all with those cell phones. I mean. You know, and keep in mind, you know, this is not just currently where he is, but, you know, I mean, I'm talking other facilities. He's been at Davis. He's been at Cushing. He's been at OSR. He's been at North Fork. You know, he's been at Dick Connors. He's been at Stringtown. I mean, he's been everywhere. He's even been to the walls, you know. But mm-hmm. I can't well, tell you how many times. It's that it is to be volunteer, but really, it's kind of like um, can be, can. I, I don't know. Let's look for the fine print. Uh, right. These people are really good at fine print. They're really good at it. But, right, you know, so the gang members, the real gang members, you know, from, like, the crypt, you know, what your husband used to be in, right? Right, right. Right. Uh you know, uh, there are a couple of gangs that uh, that are, are, are saying, you know what? I mean, that really do run their businesses through their cell phones. And well, and, Oklahoma know, course, is Oklahoma is the Hoovers, um, the UABs, and the Irish Mob. Yeah. Um, okay. Those three kind of, uh, and the Indian Brotherhood. Um, those four are your primaries. Um, there's others. I mean, they're, they're you know. Mixed in there, but here that uh, it, the biggest ones are are those uh, four. You, you do wow, have some okay. and some blood um, um, mixed in there, right? Um, okay, thank you. But you see a lot of those here. Uh, the, the killings were the uh, a feud between the UABs and the Irish mob. Um, so they're fighting. Those, you know, then everybody gets punished. 
You know, everyone gets punished oh, yeah. for any gang move, any movement. Yeah. yeah. You know, regardless of the like when they're fighting, they're they're fighting amongst each other. Is that it? Oh yeah, they'll they'll um, they try to separate them in the prison um, by unit. Um, you know, you try to put all the UABs together, all the mob together, um, all the Hoovers together, uh, all the Indians together, uh, just yeah. to keep them separated so they don't fight. Right. Um, but you know. Most of the feuds, they can start somewhere else. They could start at another prison. They could start, you know, in Oklahoma City. They could start in Tulsa on the street. Yeah. And it will it'll go to the prison. Um, and that's where the fighting begins. It's usually an incident outside the prison that uh, is then taken up within the Thank prison. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. And it gets dangerous, and, and as soon as it, it happens on the street uh, and, you know, word is out, um, prison's going locked down. Oh, yeah. Right. Everybody, everybody's locked up 24 hours. Even when they're in different units? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sonia. Oh, it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't Georgia matter. It's on lockdown. Yeah. It, it goes is on lockdown, everyone. Everyone's locked down. You know, and that again is just to uh, to you know save people's lives. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. Fair. Because it it, it you know it, it's serious in there. Um, you know, and it's for protection. Uh, a lot of it, um, because it it's you know it, it's dangerous. Um, weapons are everywhere. You know, I, James, I was telling Tanya last night, I said back in 2009, um, there was that huge lockdown. I can't remember. It was, a, it was like a famous uh, movie star that got, that got killed, and it was amongst the gang members or something to that effect. And it affected because one of the, I think the gentleman that killed her was here in Oklahoma, and they were locked down prison, I mean, statewide from November mm-hmm. of 2009 until, like, July of 2010. <clears throat> you know, it yeah. was, like, seven months. And there was a point in time that my husband did not get a bath, did not get a shower for six days. Now, he was at he was at Holdenville at the time. Six I wouldn't say days. That, that is uncommon. That is not uncommon. But, you know, wow. six days? I mean, come on. Um. The uh, the regulation says um, an hour outside the cell three times a week. Right. Is is kind of uh, the minimum. So it, it could be 24 hour lockdown, and you get shower and rec, uh, which means just basically walk around or do some exercise. You're supposed yep. to get an hour at least three times a week. Yep. Mhm. Um, but that you know that doesn't always happen. Well, and what I was going to say to that is when he told me, you know, look, baby, I, you know, when he wrote me, when he wrote a letter to me, he said, I haven't had a shower in five days. And, um, you know, then he told me that, uh, you know, because mind you, they're Davis, and at the time they were CCA, can't count anything. You know, they were CCA all the time. And um, they were having, they were having their officers signed forms saying that they were giving them showers every two days, but these guys would turn the water off 
for 8 and 12, 15 hours at a time just on GP. Right. Well, you know, in A&R, um, when people are going through there, and A&R is assessment and reception, right. processing, um, mm-hmm. officers keep a log. Um, but it's not uncommon for the log to reflect something that didn't really happen. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, sure. The, I, I, yeah, I asked you. How confident are you with what this warden is bringing forth? Oh, I'm very confident. Well, you know, how, who's, who, who's overseen anybody other than words? Right. Mm-hmm. And there were no cameras you know, in A&R, so, you know, there's nobody, you know, to say that they didn't get wrecked. Um, it's the officer's word, um, you know. Yeah. And it's always and, uh, officer's word over an inmate, always, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, regardless if the inmate's right and the officer is wrong, you know. And my husband is very respectful. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, he grew up in prison. What else is he going to be, you know? He had a choice to be respectful and to respect the law, something that he didn't respect when he was 15 and 16 and 17, you know, or to be a gangbanger. And he chose to be an exceptional gentleman, to be an exception to the rule, you know. But um, it's real hard to respect us, you know, to respect an officer when they're calling him boy and they're calling him the N-word, you know, and they're calling him MFers. I mean, come on, James, you've heard it, you know. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, um, again, um, a lot of it is, you know, uh, officers. Uh, you know, there are some officers that have been there a while and are really jaded. You know, I, I think right. that the, right. the 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 job wears off on them, and it, oh, it kind yeah. of trans, transforms them into vile human beings, um, mm-hmm. and the officers. Mm-hmm become as bad or worse than some of the worst inmates in right. their behavior and in their language. Right. Uh, um, you know, it, it, it's... And you've seen you it firsthand. In, you've recorded it firsthand, and we all uh, got a yeah, he, that. <laughs> right, and it's just a, a glimpse. I mean, it, it got far worse. Uh, and then, like I said, that, that was just a, a tip of the iceberg. Um, right. But it gets really foul. Um and I think it's, you know, a combination of the environment and the job and uh, the fear that some officers have of their situation. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it, respect is a, is a two-way street. Absolutely. You know, um, and it's not given. It's earned. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. You can't expect an inmate to give you respect if you're going to curse them for no reason. Absolutely. You know, you, you're never going to have, you know, the cooperation and respect of the people you're there to uh, watch over um, if you're going at them for no reason foully and, yep, right. and, you know, with aggression. They're going to fire back with even more foul <laughs> and more aggressive. Right. And then it's mm-hmm. just a, a tense situation, and that, that happens in there. 
I mean, it's foul. And uh, is it fair to say that some actually enjoy just really railing on inmates? I think so. I, I think so. Yeah, that that's more than fair to say. Um, you know, and for no reason, you know, uh, you know, using the MFers and you know, f them and uh, let them rot. Just lock them up. Lock the MFers up. You know, and, and it's not that they said anything to deserve to be called out. I mean, some will, you know, right. but it, to refer to the entire population that way and to think of everybody in there like that, um, you know, is just making the situation even more tense and uh, well, more disrespectful. Well, under Oklahoma Corrections Officers Code of Conduct, Number one, establishing the rules in code of conduct. Um, okay, one, devote full time, blah, blah, blah. Two, engage in conduct which affords respect, courtesy, and preserves the dignity of others. Okay? Three, <laughs> right. refrain from conduct which is corrupt, <laughs> illegal, serves to denigrate, demean, or disregard the welfare of others. I mean, what is this? Opposite day here? Because that's what's happening is every day promote and model exemplary law-abiding order. Okay, avoid any conduct, interest, or relationship which is in conflict with or uh, de- detrimental to the proper and effective discharge of official duties. Be efficient and effective. I mean, please uh, refrain from conduct which constitutes a violation of the agency's sexual abuse, sexual harassment. Okay, what does that? Mean? Well, does not not qualify for uh, inmates that are raped uh, and, and inmates that are uh, actually put into situations where they're entertaining uh, certain um, corrections officers uh, who are betting on who's going to win on a bludgeoning uh, 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 fight in, in an actual ring, uh, boxing ring type of thing. I mean, it's insane. It's totally insane. Oh, yes, and any failure to carry out the lawful orders or directives of supervisors, managers, or any conduct towards a supervisor manage, manager which disregards or is dis- disrespectful of the authority of office or the supervisor manager will be considered an insubordination. Okay. All right. Well, what does that mean? I mean, let me tell you, this is pathetic. Contraband. Well, we have. They will not bring as, any uh, item of contraband inside the facility secure the perimeter. We talked about this last week. I'm sorry, the doors are open. You're going to have contraband. If you've got COs going in there, no disrespect, James. But if you've got. Oh, I know. Really, really, you know, you got COs coming in that door, you got visitors coming in that door, contraband is always going to be in that prison. Always. Well, there's other not too. Any item or contraband. Go, go ahead. You get the picture. Uh, yeah, there, there are other employees. Will be consulted for filing of criminal oh, yeah. charges. <laughs> Weapons, ammunition, drugs, alcohol, cell phones. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, give it a freaking break. Right. This is the problem. You know, the, if the rules that are there were actually being enforced, mm-hmm. that might help. Well, the, the, the mission statement of um, officers is protect the public, protect mm-hmm. the employees, protect the inmates. Mm-hmm. Um, not punish the inmates. Mm-hmm. There's, 
the you know the the protect is sadly um, more regarded as punish. There are some officers that feel they're there to punish them somehow further. Right, as well and, as uh, the wives. And yeah, well, yeah, uh, and uh, that's and not, I know uh, that you know the intention of uh, you know that statement. Um, but, oh sure, uh, yeah. I mean, I get it, you know. But why? But wives are treated like trash, you know. They um, they are groped at visitation by some of the other officers, you know, and um, it's just, I haven't done anything. Why don't you explain what happened, uh, what you were sharing about um, how this one was talking with you? Yeah, we were at, we were at visit one time, and um, this was before we had to sit across the tables from each other. Um, you know, we could sit next to each other, and he could put his arm around me, and, you know, we could put our arms around each other and, you know, hold hands and et cetera and actually feel a little normal. And um, there was one point in time that, I mean, in the middle of the room, the middle of the room, the CO stood up and said, Wiggins! I mean, hollered at him real loud. Didn't address him as, hey, Mr. Wiggins, I need you to come with me, please, you know. Um and then they asked me to stand up. And, um, you know, I was asking the question, and, of course, you know, Daryl turned to me and he said, I got this. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I kept my mouth shut, and, he, and they said, you need to come with us. And, Ms. Wiggins, you need to go outside with the other officer. And, you know, of course, Daryl, he was asking, he goes, what's going on, man? He goes, what's going on? He said, just come out here, Wiggins, just come out. And so they took him out to the shakedown room, put me out in the hallway, out in the public area and everything, and she told me that I had to strip down. I said, excuse me? She goes, well, we're going to have to at least frisk you because we saw that uh, your husband dropped some drugs down your shirt. I mean, I about, I got floored. I was absolutely floored. I was like... The hardest okay, so thing I've ever done. Brown your shirt, is that correct? Yeah, I'm like the hardest thing I've ever done is 800 milligram ibuprofen. Okay. Right. I mean, you know. And that's one reason well, Daryl married me because I'm so square. When he got out, we'd never get in trouble. You know. Well, I mean, in that situation, the drugs are going the wrong direction. It's usually. It's, I was just yeah. going to say that. Hello. Anything, it would be, yeah. The pass off. You're going to have to go the other way. If anything, yeah. I'm going to pull out, not drop in, you know? Right. And um, uh forgot this is a Christian radio station. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> um, but so, so, so she, um, the CO that took me outside, I mean, literally, literally put her hands up underneath my breast really hard, you know, I mean, I felt violated. I really did. And, well, you, were you know, I had a, I mean, yeah, I had a skirt on that day. Yeah, I had a skirt on that day. And I tell you what, um, she almost found it. I mean, you know, it just, I was really, really violated that day. And uh, she goes, nope, you don't have any drugs on you. You can go back in. But we were going to have to terminate your visit because we saw you put drugs down Daryl's shirt. I said, I bet my life. There is no drugs in my husband's shirt. 
I will bet you my life. So they, it, they switched it, saying it went down his shirt. Right, yeah, went down his shirt. Then I dropped it down his shirt. So when they took him out to the shake room, he said, what'd you find? The CEO said, mm, we didn't find anything, Mr. Wiggins, you didn't get dressed. No, I'm sorry, no, no, I apologize for the inconvenience. We thought we saw this. You know, yeah. Department of Corruption is never going to admit that they are wrong, ever, you know, in any situation. But we can prove And I just felt completely violated, you know. Uh, I, I, and Oklahoma sites, okay, so this is uh, regarding um, prisoners and reformatories, Oklahoma statutes. I've just zipped down to page 11 here, okay. Um, if, if you guys ready to, you know, have your stomach hurt from laughing or, or from crying. All right. Um, jails to be kept clean, care of prisoners. The person responsible for administration of a jail shall see that the jail is constantly kept in clean and healthful condition. And shall see that strict attention is constantly paid to the personal cleanliness of all prisoners in his custody. Okay. Oh, yeah. And after that, we get into administering medicines. Well, you want to talk about the cleanliness now? Well, they're not happy that, you know, we've got pictures of lots of really bad, really, really bad situations, really dirty, really black, moldy, you know, leaky, uh, just uh, horrific, horrific conditions. Uh, so how, how are those conditions in there, you two? Um, I can tell you, it's <laughs> it's nasty. A and R is gross. Um, you know, it, it it's just foul. Um, the light fixtures, you know, uh, in there, inmates do what's called sparking, um, which you take the two wires, you you pull the light fixture out, and you take the two wires and you spark, and you can light whatever it is you want to light. Usually, it's they're smoking Bible pages. Um, okay. But the light fixtures are all pulled out, so there's no light in you know, most of the cells in A&R because there's no light fixture anymore. There's just bare wires. Um, you know, uh, there's roaches. <laughs> oh, at night shift? Oh, oh my God. your big toe. <laughs> oh, man, when you turn the light out at night shift, then you're just going around with a flashlight, you know, uh, and there's water on the floor. Standing water. There's mold all over the ceiling, all over the walls. Um, the smell is something you'll never forget. Uh, it's it's and, and, and there was a, a, A&R somebody who really had actually. Bad. Go ahead. No, no, A and R is really bad. Some of the units, you know, the inmates uh, do clean. Um, you know, it can vary cell to cell. Uh, but the, the, the common areas, you know, there are people assigned uh, that uh, do care for, and some of the units are, are better than others. Um, when you but, say people are assigned, are, do you mean inmates or yes, staff? Yes. No, it's inmates. Uh-huh. They clean. You know, it's a, it's a privilege um, to be let out. Right. You know. I was just... From her reading the book, didn't she say the person? You know, we don't working? assign them. They volunteer uh, because you know they they want out. Hey, mm. you let me out, I'll clean. You know, right? All right, I'll let you out, but you got to clean. 
Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, to them it's good. You know, they're not locked in that little six by eight. Right. You know, staring at the wall. You know, in all the yard they have TVs. Uh, you know, they can sit in their cell and watch TV. But in A&R, there's nothing. <laughs> so you're right. staring at a wall. Well, we shared a video um, that, you know, we have to keep anonymous, of course, of um, an inmate that was cleaning at a particular facility um, who was wearing a mask. And uh, I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, I haven't that seen that one. Was, uh, showing uh, the horrific, disgusting um, a bathroom, and, and then there was mm. also a person that had been lit on fire. So there was two different videos. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, uh, I saw that one. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, I mean, these are identifiable. You know, these are these are real. These are the things that you know, that DOC does not want to admit um, is actually happening. And now I I, I do want to take this a, a couple minutes also to, you know, uh, on on behalf of those officers, uh, you know, corrections officers like you, that, you, you know, you were in there just doing your job and uh, and you would never partake in such a thing. And, and some others that may, may not have had as much, you know, uh, intelligence or or life life seasoning in them to be able to, you know, uh, mitigate their circumstances that created you know an even flow of you know care between the inmates and themselves. You know, and just uh, that that uh, that they're really good people. That some are really good people. That um, you know, but I have a feeling that most that are good people that they don't last because they can't put up with it. And they're, or they're being bullied and abused, as I've read, uh, I've got some anonymous uh, information from several that I know who they are, but I can't share it this right. time, um, from yeah. the same facilities that are, are, are just, you know, that are still suffering from harassment for... Uh, well, there's the a fine line. You, you know, as an officer in there, there's a fine line. Um, you know, I, I kind of walk the line of, uh, you know, I'm not favoring and I'm not disfavoring. I'm just remaining neutral in the middle and trying to, uh, you know, manage and de-escalate any situation that occurs. Um, But if you show empathy uh, as an officer, you will be labeled as a -a hug-a-thug. Yep. Um, By the other officers. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, you, you really don't want to show empathy um, for anybody's plight or a situation that got them there. Um, because once you get that label, you, you know, you'll be, you know, forever. <laughs> right. You're the hug thug yeah you know. You know, and it seems that the COs get bullied by other COs, which is sad, you know. Especially when you're trying to help or or make somebody's life a little bit easier when they're being respectful and you know they're being silent. I think, um, I think especially the female officers. Yeah, I think the female officers really have a hard time. Oh yeah, not I'm just sure from they the do. inmates, but from the other officers. Mm-hmm. You know, 
it's it's a it's a difficult position, but uh, you know, again, we're not there to punish them. And right, I never looked at the job as that. Their punishment is already taking place, and the court decided that. Right. And uh, you know, that I have not everybody thinks it. the way you do. <laughs> you know. Very few, actually. Um, there, there is so, you know, because I've been doing this with Daryl for over 20 years, I have seen so much corruption and so oh, yeah. much filth. And, you know, the different facilities that we've been to. I mean, one of the wardens that we were, um, that one of the prisons we were at, the warden, you know, he said, oh, I make this open door. Y'all can come talk to me anytime, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, this is when Joseph Arbaugh's sitting right next to him. Well, sure, you're going to talk all nice and neat when you've got the director of corrections. You know? Right. But, you know, he said, you can come talk to me anytime. You know, you you need to file a grievance or yada, yada, yada. So one of the guys, one of um, Daryl's associates went up and, you know, was talking to him and, went to um, the warden and he said, you know, he said, I'm not particularly, he said, particularly don't care for the food that they serve on Sunday, you know, and some of this stuff that's on the canteen, I was wondering if we could maybe change it, you know, to, to maybe get this instead of that. And the warden said, well, you know, if you don't like it, just go to Walmart. I mean, this is a warden. Right. This is you supposed know, uh, to be the leader of the COs? <laughs> Come on. Right. You know, one of the things, that, and this is not really related to anything, but it, I just happened to think about it when you mentioned the food again. Uh, the food is really bad, no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they use – I know. We, we heard uh, the maggots, even. Maggots. Oh, and yeah. That's, right. That's well, it's not made um, for human consumption. I've seen the box. That is, that is how bad it is. Uh, Mystery meat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they use, and I've always, there's lots of things in there we could talk about, but they use uh, kitchen duty. Everybody has to do kitchen duty. They use yep. it as a punishment. Um, yep. Um, they have people in there that are de- good, decent cooks that would like to work in the kitchen. But they'll take them out saying everybody has to do kitchen duty. And so you wind up with people that don't want to be in there, and uh, they're messing with the food. <laughs> yep. And, the, and they don't want to be there in the first place. And, uh, you know, they don't care what you never out. kick off the cook. You never kick no, off right. the cook. <laughs> right. You don't want a loogie in your oatmeal. Right. Oh. Send it back and say you don't like it well, in a right. restaurant, and, uh, you know, then you're getting something <laughs> – even you know, worse. but yeah. in prison, because you wake them up at three, two, three o'clock in the morning to go cook, yep. and they don't want to go. <laughs> yep. Well, you got to go. Yep. You know, it's it's not an. Or option. you get a write up. You got to go, or yep. you get a write up. And you lose you your level. You out of the bed, mm-hmm. or you, yeah, right. right. You know, you get officers that you know. Toss your cell, something. Yep. Right, and they don't want to go, but there are people in there that. Like working in the kitchen, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense. But they use things like that as a punishment. Okay, you've got to go. And then it, because it I said, everybody. yeah, because then then you got to mm-hmm. eat what they're putting out, and it, it's just right. nasty. Yeah, it, it's pretty foul. Wow. But, I mean, so, it is, 
it is what it is in there. Yeah, no, it's. Yeah, and it, you know, but it the, doesn't mean it's constitutional or that it, it, it's within the guidelines that have been, you know, afforded to um, uh, prisoners across the states. Not to mention, you know, of course, in, you know, in in the uh, Oklahoma Constitution, which, um, you know, the the the, the uh, federal, you know, our, our Constitution of the United States of America is the one that is that we go by. Anything anything that perverts that uh, is, is really moot, and we need to stand and we need to stand up to it. But I want to share some more um, uh, with you, Les, Leslie, about just um, your husband's recent emergent surgery. So I want our listeners to know uh, what happened in that in that case. And as a result of that, um, we've had, thank goodness, we have had um, some kind of um, uh, action take place, but that's because they're on the hot seat. They're still on the hot seat. They're still on the hot seat, the DOC, and they and they know it. So they're putting out these warm, fluffy commercials, you know, that are just like <laughs> a joke, a joke, a joke. Yeah, I'm like flip. But but your husband, um, he had not filled out. Daryl had not filled out. Um, a medical release form, uh, and uh, and come to find out, many inmates had never even been given a medical release form to fill out, uh, and that it was only available, you know, upon request. Well, you know what? Half of, them, like- half of them, half of them don't even want to mess with the staff because they treat them like they. What do you want? I'm busy. Yeah. Right. They don't even want to mess with them, so they're like, forget you, you know? Right. 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 Well, we get those phone calls where you call, and then they put you on hold, and then it times out, and you're hung up on mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, that's very, very common. Well, and I, but in any event, so he did, he did not fill that out. Um, as a result now, you know, squeaky, squeaky over here, squeaky, squeaky, you know, <laughs> I'm so uh, happy. we've got, they've been handed out to all the inmates and, and supposedly, uh, supposedly, uh, everybody had to turn them in by Friday. Um, yep. so your, so Daryl had not signed one and, um, and he had, he had to go in for a very urgent quadruple bypass surgery um, that yes. was not offered to him to sign prior to uh, being transferred to the hospital. So the last thing that you knew up until just a couple of days ago, go ahead. Why don't you share this story? Okay. And just by the way, I want to tell you before I forget, the um, gentleman that told me at the facility that he's at yesterday when I called mm-hmm. at 5 o'clock, and he said, I promise I'll call you back. I'm still waiting on that phone call. And that was 5 o'clock Saturday night. Oh, I'm Saturday afternoon. I'm yeah, I'm still waiting. Yeah. Oh, but I promise I'll call you. Right. Okay, so, here, so here's the deal. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so here's what happened. Um, originally, before Daryl went to um, to have his emergency quadruple bypass, the first time that they took him to the hospital. He they had they did an arteriogram on him to find out that he needed to have the quadruple bypass surgery. I called the first time and I was told actually I was read to according to federal guidelines, 
we cannot give you out any information due to HIPAA violation, blah, 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 blah. Not even talk to me was being read to. And I said, but I'm his wife. And she said, I don't care. I can't give you out any information. And I said, so I don't know whether my husband's dead or alive. I'm sorry, I can't give you out and, any and information. You Thank you, Bob. But the truth is you have to respect that, right? But at that, so I at do. that point, because you could have been anybody, but at that point they could have directed you uh, or tried to help provide that to him wherever he was. Right, right. But and, for you know, how many and I, days did you go without knowing whether he was dead or alive? From September 14th until September 23rd. I did not know whether my husband was dead or alive. And VineLink is only like 49 hours behind, you know, when they tell me, your husband's out of custody. Well, I knew that two days ago, <laughs> you know. And then they tell me uh, last Friday, VineLink calls me Friday and said, your husband's back in custody. No, he was back in custody Wednesday. So, I mean, I can't even depend on VineLink, you know. But when I, when I finally found out, that my husband was alive was when I got a DOC phone call, the recording, and I heard my husband's voice, you know, and I just broke down in tears because I was like, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. You know, you spared him. But anyway, he called on the 23rd, which was Wednesday. They just dropped him off, you know, and, and my, now mind you, he was handcuffed the whole time. You know, he had a catheter and he had a, IV and his juggler, I mean, they, they didn't have to handcuff him all four spots, you know. But yeah. maybe, maybe that's protocol. I mean, I know James would know that. Maybe that is protocol when you transfer an inmate that they have to be, you know, um, like to a hospital and other people. That yeah, are that it's all well, transport. Transport, you're going to get leg irons and you're going to get uh, a, the a black belt box yeah. with uh, handcuffs and they're going to be locked to the yeah. belt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's so. So on when he called, I mean, he was just blah, 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 blah. you know. He said um, the nurse was telling me the nurse gave me my discharge papers um, and gave me all the instructions of the Lasix that I was supposed to take and the potassium that I was supposed to take. And he said, and then what happens? The CO snatches the papers out of my hands and won't give them back to me. I don't get my medicines. I don't get any instructions of how I'm supposed to take care of myself. He said, and here I am. I still have, don't, any, don't have any medication. I'm supposed to be on a blood thinner. I haven't got any of that medication. You know, I'm supposed to be, um, you know, on certain medications. I don't know what I'm supposed to be on. And thankfully, when he got there Wednesday to, um, to the doc, you know, to medical, they gave him a little bit of med medication to calm him down. Well, he said, I only get phone calls. Oh, 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 oh. And then on top of all this, having a broke collarbone, you know, all 27 ribs broke, you know, right. with staples in his chest. To operate on him. Right. You know, and my father's been through this. He's had five heart attacks, quadruple bypass, so I knew exactly what was going to be happening to Daryl. You know, and uh, so so he's actually making for when he made that phone call to you, and the one he did that was just yesterday, right? Uh, yes, he said. 
Okay. Yeah, on Wednesday, on Wednesday he said that he gets phone calls on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I said, why are you limited on phone calls? You should be able to call anytime you want. He said, because I'm on Juliet Bravo where there is 120 guys quarantined with COVID-19. And, and there's somebody and two doors down on a ventilator. Right. Oh, so sorry. They're, oh, not they're not cleaning those phones. So they're not sterilizing no. those phones. And the man who no. has just had and anybody else there, uh, 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 the, the, the COVID positive uh, inmates are using the phones. They're not being sterilized prior to the usage of others. And then we right. have, you know, uh, of course, you know, Daryl Wiggins, uh, who, who is there um, just uh, in the crux of, you know, just coming back from uh, surgery, highly, highly. A major vulnerable. organ event, yeah. Now, you were not able to get in touch with him, it was it yesterday, and you and I, you know, you tried, and I finally tried, and I got through to a, a man there, and I'm not going to give his name unless you feel like you want to, but I got in touch with this man uh, who had just come on duty, and uh, and after that happened, yeah, to, you and, and you know what the conversation was that told me? He said, well, it's the weekend. Uh, there's nobody that can tell me. I said, so you can't get up from your chair and go look in cell 117 to see if my husband's there. All I want to know if this is dead or alive. That's it. That's all I want to know. No, I can't do that. You're on the same freaking unit. So I called. So I called. Of course, I used right. you know the media, the media information, you know that I'm calling as a right. uh, media person, and uh, I, I, you know, went around to two or three or different people, you know, until I was satisfied. Me enough. too. Uh, yep. And and this man who had just come on duty. So I I want to make sure that kudos go, goes out to people that deserve those kudos to go out too. Who Absolutely. Right, because you you said that yes. he, that uh, that uh, Daryl called after that, and, and he said, and he and he 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 said, who's not letting him call his wife? You know what I mean? Yes, so, so yes, absolutely. Got to squeeze. Yes, and you know, and the mom always said the squ- the wheel that squeaks the loudest gets the most oil, and you know, I do want to give kudos to that gentleman because he came in. and He said, who is not letting Mr. Wiggins talk to his wife? You give me your phone, and you let Mr. Wiggins call right now. You know, and that's how it should be. That's how it should be to let loved ones know that they're alive or dead. Yep, yep. So, so, you know, James, Mm -hmm. I love having you on. You're just going to have to, like, stay on (laughs) Yeah. for a long time. It'll be like this fixture here with us, but we didn't really get into your situation uh, further, and, and we would oh, like okay. to, of course, but we'd like to do that because I know that people want to hear more from you. I know that for a fact, okay? Um, so will you continue great with your presence? <laughs> well, you know, I, like I said, I always enjoy talking about the Department of Corruptions, and uh, I, I think that the more attention that is paid to them, um, it can only help serve to improve it um yes absolutely and it 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 can definitely stand uh some improvements i think you know uh employees if they could uh would uh say the same um yes Mm -hmm. uh, 
And, and there are and, uh, whistleblower protections. Yeah, and, you know, um, inmates don't have a voice. You know, um, they're the voiceless in the situation. And so it's up to, uh, you know, employees and uh, family members to uh, continue to start the discussions. You know, and I'll say this. I used to be scared to stand up. Well, you know what? I If, if I don't stand up, who's going to? Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah, so I mean, we're, all, it, we're out of time. I'm going to I'm going to put on the web on the on the site uh, a, a grievance form. We're out of time. Oh my goodness gracious, Tina Gert, thank you for being with us. My too silent, your too silent partner, Angela. Um, <laughs> thank you for being with us. And and no problem. Leslie Leslie Wiggins, thank yes. you so much. Uh, uh, we want to let all my of pleasure. our loved ones know out there that we're fighting. We're fighting for you. We are fighting for you. I want to thank Stephen Burke from 89.9 KLRB uh, for broadcasting us. Marty Oakley, TS Radio Network. Uh, thank you, Mom, for listening in tonight if you are. Um, and uh, as always, uh, I'm Tanya Hathaway. Your host of Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. We will not be airing on Tuesday, uh, but we will be back after that next Sunday. God bless everybody, and good night. Good night.